This is a free download from Delancey Healing Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Healing Church building at the Banks St. Samson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyhealing.co.uk. seat and take your Bibles. Isaiah 42, if you've got your Bibles, I'll have a a few moments before I kind of get there, but you can just take it, just to have it kind of ready. Uh, I think there's a lot of the songs have uh, brought to our attention this morning. I want to talk about the fire of God. Uh, So Isaiah 42, and I'll be looking there in a few moments, but that just, now I don't think God's God's got nothing less for us uh, than to be burning inward flames. That's God's absolute desire, purpose for our lives, that we will be inward burning flames. When I read about it, I see that as the, that's been the heart cry, if I can put it that way, of of all the great saints for the ages, all the great saints of the ages have really made that one of their most real vibrant prayers. John Wesley prayed this prayer. He says, God, set me on fire and let people watch me burn. That was the prayer that John Wesley prayed every morning. God, set me on fire and let people watch me burn. God wants every one of us to have incredible flames in our hearts. I believe that's the answer, ultimately for the church today. We can try all kinds of methods, all kinds of programs. In fact, I was talking to Nigel, I think just last week, wasn't it, Nigel? And we suddenly realized, actually, we can try all these things, but unless the fire of God is there, it will never really be effective. Methods, programs, all these things will never really do what needs to be done. What we desperately need is the fire of God. We need that Pentecostal fire, if you like, to get it right down in our hearts. I'm always struck by the story of Moses. And it says he, he stood aside to look at this strange seed. And the air was the thing. It was a bush that was on fire. Now, when you think about it, that was not an unnatural thing in that day to see bushes on fire. It was, a, it was something that went on a lot. You'd see bushes on fire quite a lot because it was dry, heat, and that was a natural thing to see. But the thing that struck Moses wasn't the fact that the bush was on fire, was the fact the bush wasn't consumed. How come there's a bush on fire, but the fire's not consuming the bush? Which tells me the fire of God, if you like, needs no fuel to keep it burning. God doesn't need human fuel to keep the fire burning. He doesn't need the fire of human emotions. He doesn't need the fire of our will. And maybe you've been living by the fuel of your emotions and you're burnt out. Maybe you've been living by the fuel of your will the fuel of your strategies, 
and they've come to an end. You need the fire that needs no fuel. The fire of God. And I believe God answers your need. He answers our weaknesses. He answers all our problems and the challenges of life. He's the God who answers by fire. Can you say amen? He's a fire-lighting God. I believe the greatest need of the, of the Christian, of, of the church today, is the fight of God. We desperately need the fight of God. I think it's the only thing that's going to do it in our world today. You think about it. If it was a method, if it was a program that would have done it, then surely by now we have achieved it. Is that right? What the church needs today, what we need today, is that we need the fight of God. Isaiah 42. Isaiah 62. Okay, Isaiah 62. I think this is just a, such a powerful, awesome prayer. You need the fight of God in your life today. I need it, you need it, we all need the fight of God. Amen? Isaiah 62. For Zion's sake, I will not hold my peace. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her righteousness until her righteousness goes forth as brightness, and her salvation is as a lamp that burns. The Gentiles shall see your righteousness, and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name with the mouth of the Lord shall name. Here's this prayer, that your brightness you be a burning light that goes forth. How many want to be a burning light that goes forth? A burning heart that's going to impact nations. I want to see something. Until you have a vision to have a burning heart, you'll probably never have one. Until you've got a vision in your heart to have a burning heart, you'll never have a burning heart. We need to have a vision to have a burning heart. Almost as that moment when we put that stake in the ground and say it's not okay not to have a burning heart. It's not okay to live in apathy and lethargicness. It's not okay to live that way anymore. And I'm putting a stake in the ground and saying I need to have a burning heart. And I'm not going to settle for anything less other than a burning heart. Isaiah 62 really is, is, is really a chapter about really two things. It's about in the days that God is going to raise up an amazing prayer movement. God throughout the world is stirring up prayer. A prayer movement is stirring in the world today. And God is raising up intercessors and prayer warriors because he wants to pour his spirit out, amen? And so intercessors have been stirred up throughout the nations. God is stirring up a prayer movement that is touching nations. The second movement that Isaiah speaks about is a worship movement. That God is taking the church into new levels of worship. And when you combine worship and prayer together, you see an incredible flame that's released. And out of prayer, out of true heart of worship, God says, I'm going to cause you to be a burning torch. And he says that salvation, ultimately, he says salvation is a lamp 
that birth. In other words, salvation is described as being saved from passionless living, deliverance from dullness, deliverance from lethargicness, and deliverance from apathy. Salvation in its ultimate goal is a heart that is set on fire, a heart that is set ablaze. I just got this picture. This almost God saying, I want you to be in my hand a burning torch. And almost, I'm going to send through the nations, I'm going to send into all kinds of situations, burning torches for my glory. Burning torches for all to see. You need fire to be a burning light, is that right? And God said, I'm going to set you on fire, not for yourself necessarily, but so that you can be a burning light to the nations. So you can be a burning light in your workplace. So you can be a burning light in, in your particular uh, society, in, your, in your, your street where you live. That you can be a burning light for his glory. A burning light that touches people for all to see. You know, Moses, after his experience in the burning bush, he was never the same again. He was ignited with a fire that blazed continually in his life. And it was the fire that enabled him to deliver those people. I believe it's the same for us. And really God gets a hold of you and sets your heart on fire, really you'll never be the same again. Something is so ignited in you, something gets so hold of you, that it causes you never to be the same again. In fact, I'd say that if we've got the fire and we're still the same, then we haven't really got the fire. Because the evidence of getting the fire is that you're just never the same again. Look at this amazing scripture. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. I believe God wants to give you a fire that's never going to burn out. Amen. Not dependent on your own human energy and your own human resources. A fire that never burns out. This is what John the Baptist declared that actually this is what Jesus would do. This was, would be his purpose. This is what he would bring about. Matthew 3 verse 11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. For he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. In other words, we're submerged into the consuming fire of God's presence. It affects the whole of our being. It's, it's like this, dude, Dynamous power, exploding power, if you like. How many know you can't have dynamite without fire? And God says, I'm going to give you dynamous power, but you need the fire to ignite the dynamite in you. I'm going to send a fire that's going to consume the whole of your being. That's what's going to be the result in these days. I want to think about eight results of fire. If we've got the fire, these are the results of fire in you. Eight results of the fire of God. Here's the first one. I think it's a desperate one, and I think we really desperately need this one. The first thing that fire does, the first thing the fire of God does, it gives you a passion 
for souls. I think God sets us on fire not just to have an experience, but to give us a passion for souls. He, a fire that makes us a witness. It makes us passionate for souls. We are the light of the world, and you can't have light unless you've got fire. No light, till you catch fire first. Acts 1.8. Well-known scripture. You shall receive power, dynamis, dynamic, energetic living, and you, as a result of that, shall be my what? Witnesses. Who thought what a witness is? You know what our idea of being a witness is? Is someone who give, goes out and gives tracts. And that's so limited because that's not what Jesus is on about. He's saying, you shall be a witness. Ever thought what a witness is? A witness is someone who either proves something or disproves something. A, to be a witness doesn't just mean giving out tracts. It means that your life becomes a testimony to other people. Your marriage becomes a testimony. Your home becomes a testimony. How you are in your place of work. How you respond through a crisis situation. Because people are seeing how do you respond to that. And the fire of God enables us to be a witness. To enable our lives to be a testimony, a proof that Jesus himself is alive. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. I'm a burning fire and my life is a testimony that proves that Jesus Christ is alive. Look at Acts 4, 20. Wow. An interesting verse about the power of a witness. Your life is a witness. Your life is the only Bible that some people may ever read. Is that right? Acts 4 verse 20. This This is how Peter defines a testimony. This is what he says. He says, for we cannot but speak of the things we have seen and the things that we have heard. That's a witness. You are witnessing to what you have seen and you are witnessing to what you have heard. That is a witness in a, in a court of law. Is that right? They're only asking you when you go, have you ever, ever somebody been there when you are a witness or a situation? All they're asking you to do is to witness what you've seen. To witness what you've experienced. You're not called to give evidence for things you've not seen or not heard. As a witness, you say, this is what I saw or this is what I experienced. The judge isn't the witness. The, the lawyers aren't the witness. The witness is the one who testifies to what he has seen and what he has heard. And that's all we're called to do. All we're called to do is to say, this is what I've experienced in my life. 
This is what I've seen. I've seen people healed. I've seen people delivered. I've experienced God's grace in my life. God, this is how God has changed my life. This is what God has worked in my life. This is the prayers God has answered in my life. And all you are doing is testifying to what you have seen and what you have heard. How many of us today have encountered something of God in your life? That's what you're witnessing to. That's what you're testifying to. I don't think the world is really looking for you to give them a theological exposition. But what they're looking for is to say, actually, this is what I've encountered. People can argue your theology, but they can never argue against your experience. This is what I've seen. This is what I've heard. This is what God has done in my life. And I'm testifying to that. You know what happens in a law of court? If you don't testify to what you have seen and what you have heard, they call it perjury. That's a challenge, isn't it? I wonder how many believers are committing spiritual perjury. Not testify to what we have seen and what we have heard. And I pray today that God will put such a fire in our hearts that we will be mighty witnesses for him. Testifying, sharing what I've seen and what I've heard. There's the first thing that fire does. Gives you a passion for souls. Gives you a burning desire to share what you have seen and what you have heard. You can't manipulate that. You can't control that. It's only the fire that does it. Can you say amen? Here's the second thing very quickly. Fire purifies and sanctifies. I don't think the fire of God is there, if you like, to to judge. But it's there to cleanse us. Because when we have a personal experience with the fire, we are purified and we are sanctified. It burns, it destroys all the impurities and the various areas of our life. It's almost this sense that when we embrace God's consuming fire, God loves us, because I believe God's love is, 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 a, is a fire of love, if you like. Jesus was consumed with a passion that led him to Calvary. And I think that presence will cause you to overcome all kinds of opposition. Here's the next thing. Fire produces a desire to know God in an intimate way. Intimacy is the key to so much in life. I think the reason why we don't have fire is because we're not intimate intimate enough with God. The Bible says God is a consuming fire, is that right? So the closer I get to the flame, the more I'm going to burn. And the key to really getting fire in you is to develop an intimate, close relationship with Jesus. And fire leads to intimacy. Paul says, oh, that I might know him. After he'd, after he'd started thousands of churches, raised people from the dead, performed miracle after miracle, was caught up into the third heaven, saw things that no man had seen. And his cry was, oh, that I might know him. I might become more and more personally acquainted with him. 
Taste and see the Lord is good. What's that about? Encountering, experiencing intimacy with him. And the more intimate you are with him, the more you want. Is that right? Fire also produces supernatural boldness. Isn't it right that sometimes it's hard to, 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 to if you like, to, to have the courage to believe and, and do the things God called us to do. And I believe fire produces that boldness. And you see there, Acts 4, 29. Paul says that when the, the Spirit filled them, they were filled with great boldness. There became a new courage there. There became a new boldness in the midst of opposition, in the midst of all things rising against them. They boldly declared the Lordship of Christ. Because the boldness, the fire of God released a boldness in them. It's a boldness that gives you the ability to take risks. Boldness to step out for God. I think it gives you boldness in prayer. I remember many years ago, uh, I think it was in Macclesfield, a girl came for, from Korea to the church. She was from Yonggi Chow's church in Korea. And in that prayer meeting when she prayed, as if the room shook. She prayed as if she could not be denied. And there's something about that boldness, I think that stirred something in me. I thought, God, I want that kind of boldness in my prayer. When you got the fire, it gives you a boldness to pray and ask God for amazing things. You'll pray in a way as if you cannot be denied when the fire gets hold of you. It gives you boldness. Eighth thing, and lastly, my time's going this a great deal, but ultimately fire produces revival. Don't we need revival? We need revival. Look at Luke 4, verse 18. Again, well-known scripture. Luke 4, well-known scripture. But I think this is a picture of what the fire does, what it produces in our lives, the, the, the fire of revival it produces. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, verse 18, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. I want you to see the power of what revival fire does. Preach the gospel to the poor. It doesn't just mean those who are impoverished, economically impoverished, that's part of it, but those who also see they've come to an end of themselves. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel like you've come to an end of yourself. You are a candidate for fire, amen? That's a good place to be, believe it or not. Second thing is, he says that that, that fire, that, that spirit will, will cause healing to broken hearted people. Those whose souls are wounded, those who are full of pain, those who are full of rejection, those who are full of, of, of low self-esteem, the revival fire of God will heal the brokenhearted. It will cause liberty to the captives, those who, who are bound, those who are controlled by shackles in their life. It's almost when the fire comes, it burns off all the shackles, all the things that bind us, all the things that limit us, all the things that restrict us are burnt away when the fire comes. And he goes on to say, to set free those who are oppressed, 
Those who maybe who, who are oppressed by thoughts of guilt and rejection and insecurity. And they just, it's almost an oppression over them, a darkness, a heaviness over their lives. And they've tried this answer and that answer and that counsel and that, and they just can't shake off this oppressiveness. I believe the fire of God can set free those who are oppressed. Can you say amen? And I love this one. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. The acceptable year of the Lord is, is the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee where, where slaves were set free. Where there was incredible abundance and, and, and blessing flowed. And Jesus said, I've come to declare something that you're not rejected, but you're accepted through what I've done on the cross. Okay, let me kind of land the plane if I can put it that way. How do I get the fire? How many want those kind of products in their life? How many want those kind of things in you? I want them. Do you want those things in your life? How do we get the fire in us? 1 Kings 18, I think, gives us some insights this morning. How God can ignite our hearts with fire. 1 Kings 18 and verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell. Consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust. It licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their knees and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. They took certain things. They took certain steps for God to come and answer by fire. Why do you that for certain steps they did? Here's the first thing they did. Verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Here's the first thing. They had to honor God. If you want the fire, make a quality decision to honor God. But David says, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing. That's a powerful thing, isn't it? What a prayer. The things that come out of my mouth, the things I dwell on in the secret place of my mind, may those things be pleasing. My attitudes, my relationships, the things I set before my eyes, my daily work, my daily life. Paul says, I pray that you would walk Worthy of the Lord. And when you honor God, you find him beginning to move in your life. When you say, God, I'm going to live a life in every dimension, every sphere of my life. This area, this every part of my life is living to honor you. And if every area of our life we would live to honor God, God promises to send fire. Amen. It's the second thing we're told they did. We're told they rebuilt the altar. The altar that had fallen down. The altar had become neglected. I wonder, are there altars in our life that have become neglected? Maybe the altar of our devotional times. You begin, you began to neglect your time with God. The altar of your daily devotional time with God has gone and fallen. 
be neglected. Maybe in your praise, in your worship, you've neglected praise and worship. Maybe you've neglected your calling and your gifting. That's why Paul said to Timothy, he said, stir up or rekindle, fan into flame the gift within you. Think about it. Gifts, talents, abilities that God gave to you to use. But because they become dormant and, and they've been neglected in your life, it's called the fire to maybe get a little bit low. And Paul says, stir it up again. Stir up those gifts. Remember when someone's got first baptized in the Holy Spirit, a lot of us spoke in tongues. And amazing how that kind of thing just we kind of lose it and we neglect it and we don't seem to do it very much anymore. Paul says, stir it back up. Stir it back up. Maybe when you used to prophesy, stir it back up. Areas where you used to serve, things that you felt God called you to do, but you got a little bit discouraged, you got disappointed. And you kind of pull back, and now you neglected that gift, that talent, that ability God gave in you. And God says, stir up that gift again. Get the fire burning again. Stir up the gift. Stir it up within you. What about areas of holiness that maybe we've neglected? That's a big word today. Things that we've neglected, areas of holiness in our life, where we, areas where we began to compromise. Areas where we've lapsed in. Things, altars of our hearts that we've not given the attention that we should. The Bible says rebuild that altar. Whatever that altar is that caused that flame to be gone out in you, rebuild the altar again. Then in verse 31, and I like this. There's the good news, okay? And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom will the Lord word to come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Why is that powerful? I'll tell you how that stirs fire up in us. He says, remind yourself who you are. You're Israel, a prince with God. Remind yourself who you are. I think we lose fire when we forget who we are. When we allow the enemy to tell us who we're not. Begin to condemn us. Begin to cause errors of where we feel bad and those errors we feel, those errors of low self and where we lose sight of who we really are. We let the enemy doubt the fire through the doubts and the lies he feeds our mind with. And we get overwhelmed by the challenges of life because we forget who we really are. We're believers, amen. We're sons of God. We are children of the Most High God. And sometimes we can lose sight of who we really are. How many, I look, you know what my favorite film is? There I confess it. The Lion King. How many love The Lion King? I love that film. I've seen it for a long time, but I love it. And there's one part of it. Is it it's Simba, isn't it? Simba. Remember Simba? And he, he's there. And he, he, he's kind of he's discouraged. He's run away from his calling, run away from who he's meant to be. He's meant to be a king. Run away from it. And he's there, disappointed, discouraged. And he's told to look up. And when he looks up, you remember that? He sees, he's like his father in the cloud. 
And his father says to him, Zimba, you've forgotten who, you, who I am. And he says, how have I forgotten who you are? He says, you've forgotten who I am because you've forgotten who you are. In other words, when you lose sight of who you are, then in a sense you lose sight of who God is. You know what I love to do? And you can get this on the internet. I think, I think Richard, in fact, I think even Richard might have some copies there. And it's called The Father's Heart. Remember those things? It's almost the, fair, the Father's Prayer for you. you. read that? And it tells you amazing things about how the Father sees you. Not how you see yourself, not how other people see you, but how God sees you. And I love to read that. And I love to pray that prayer over myself personally. Father, thank you that in your eyes I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I might not be very much in your eyes, but in the eyes of the Father, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You are accepted in the beloved. Lord, I declare today I'm accepted in the beloved. I may feel rejected, I may feel disappointed, but you see me as somebody who's accepted. You see me, I feel, maybe you don't feel much of a conqueror right now. But God says you are more than a conqueror through him that loves you. Maybe you don't feel very, maybe you don't even feel very loved right now. You may feel unlovable. But God says nothing shall separate me from the love I have for you. And all these things, I just love to read those things. I love to think. But God says to Je- God even says to Jeremiah, He says, even in your mother's womb, I called you. I knew you. He says that the thoughts I have for you are more than the sand on the seashore. That's a lot of thoughts. Is that right? And God says, those are the thoughts I have for you. He says, I rejoice over you. I dance and I skip when I think about you. I think how amazing, how wonderfully you're made. That's how I see you. As long as I see myself through my own failure, through my own mistakes, I'm never going to have fire. But the moment I see myself as he sees me, a king, a priest, a prince with the most high God, something sets a flame in my heart. Can you see me? It says also that they, that they built all that. They set those stones according to the word of the Lord. You want the fire very quickly. Make the word of God your final authority. Not your feelings, not your circumstances, but the word of God is the final authority in your life. Amen? And you say, I'm making a quality decision that from now on, the word of God is the final authority in my life. And the next thing, what's last, quickly. You think about this, it's incredible. He put water in it. How many would say, if you want to light a fire, the last thing you would do would put water on it. Is that right? You know what I would do? I'd get all the water away. I'd be sort of breathing on it. I'd be just, every bit of water would be gone. But he poured water on it. Because he was saying, God, unless you do it, then it's never going to happen. Maybe we have to get, a, get to a point in our life where we say, God, unless you do it, it's never going to happen. I'm desperate enough to totally rely and depend upon you. In other words, we've got to get desperate. If we want fire, if we are content to be as we are, we'll never have fire. We're satisfied what we have, we'll never have fire. He said, it's that point, says, God, I want so much more than what I've got right now. 
I'm desperate for fire. I'm des- I know I'm not where I should be, but I need fire. And if you're desperate enough for it, God will send fire. And lastly, I'll close with this. He simply asked the God of fire to light a fire. Simply say, God, set my heart on fire. God is a fire-lighting God. Can you say amen? He's a fire-lighting God. I just love it. This is what he says in Isaiah. A smoking flack I will not snuff out. Can I encourage you this morning? You may not feel you've got much fire. You may feel you've only got a bit of smoke. And God said, if I even see just a bit of smoke, you are still a candidate to be set on fire. Isn't that wonderful? A burning flask. I'm not going to snuff it out, but I'm going to light it out. I'm going to cause it to burn in fire again. I love that. But God is not about doubting fires. He's about lighting fires. Because he's a fire-lighting God. He's the God who answers by fire. Heaven say, God, set my heart on fire today. I want those qualities. I want that fruit in my life. And I know it will happen no other way unless you set my heart on fire. Who are candidates for this? Every single one of us this morning. Where the blood is gone, there the Holy Spirit will follow. God answers to the sacrifice of his son with fire from him. Church began with fire. We were baptized with fire and time. Clothes of fire. They each had an individual flame over their heads. They were people of individual fire. Individual flame came upon their heads. And God has an individual flame. But it's for you and you alone. He's the God who sends just come before me these moments right now. Put your Bibles down, whatever else you need to put down. Ask yourself this question. As I ask myself, really, on I suppose a daily basis, and as much as I can, am I really on fire? Is my heart ablaze for Jesus? When God came to, the, to one of the churches, he said this, he says, you're doing a lot of stuff, but you've lost, first off, you've lost flames of fire. Get it back. Get, the, get your heart back on fire. And that's revival. Revival never begins with the person next to us. Revival always begins with us individually, with our hearts. So the question is this morning, is my heart ablaze? Is my heart on fire? The good news is God is the God that answers by fire. And so if we need fire, then this is a good place to be. Because God sets our hearts on fire. 
Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads, information or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.